Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. Anyone can just start screaming about microchips and Jewish space lasers, but it's our mission to remove the bull and get down to what's real. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, and welcome back to The Carol Markowitz Show on iHeartRadio. This is a show about the beauty of marriage, the importance of family, the way to live a good life. But there are a lot of listeners, and some of them write to me or comment to me, who are single and don't want to be, but don't know how to meet someone. When I try to give single friends or acquaintances advice, they say things like, it's not like it was when you were single, because obviously I'm like 300 years old and have been married since birth. The truth is, yes, things have changed a little bit. I've never dated someone I met on the internet, for example, and this is a big change from what happens now. But I think the basics should generally still be the same. You meet someone, you hit it off, you date, you get married, right? No, no, people tell me. That's not at all how it works today. Now, you alert someone to your interest on an app, wait for them to respond, message back and forth for a few days, then potentially have a call, and then maybe someday meet them in person, and then never hear from them again. But what if you didn't follow this model? I'm not anti-meeting someone online. I, I have kind of mixed feelings about it. I get that that's where a lot of the interaction happens now, and that's where you can hit it off with someone and maybe make something work. But this method is clearly not working for many people. I think you need to see dating apps like being in a crowded bar. You can spot someone across the bar, smile at them, and then have a conversation to determine if this can go any further. But when you're in a bar, you're not having like five conversations with people. That's just not going to work. I met my husband through mutual friends, and we were best friends for over a decade before we started dating. When I talk to people in their 20s and 30s hoping to meet someone that they want to marry, they obviously say, that's a great story, but I don't have time to make a friend and marry him in 10 years, which, fair. So I want to open the floor to my listeners to give your best advice to these young people who want to meet someone to date seriously and marry. Write to us at 
carolmarkowitzshow at gmail.com. It's K-A-R-O-L-M-A-R-K-O-W-I-C as in Charlie, Z as in Zebra, S-H-O-W at gmail.com. And tell those youngsters how you found love and how they can too. I'll read some of the responses on The Carol Markowitz Show a week from today, next Thursday, and I do hope you'll tune in. Coming up next, an interview with Josh Hammer. Join us after the break. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. How could the most powerful man in media just vanish from public life? My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'm a reporter who's covered politics for years, and in this podcast, I'm going to travel far and wide searching for the reclusive Matt Drudge, the founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who've worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. I'll also be chasing down tips from you, the listener, through a special hotline. So if you know where Drudge is right now or have a great Drudge story that might help us better understand the mysterious media mogul, please give us a call at 301-200-2414. Hopefully by the time this show ends, the man who knows Drudge best, Matt Drudge himself, will break his silence and sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. We break open modern day conspiracies and tell you which elements may be the real deal. Like, did Bill Gates use COVID vaccines to microchip us all? We all do have tracking devices. Mm -hmm. We carry them around. We spend a lot of money on them. And what's actually on Hunter Biden's laptop? You are talking to the guy that has three of Hunter Biden's laptops and cell phone. And what did the deep state build under Denver airport? Do you think there are secret bunkers? That's just on my list of questions I have about Jesse Ventura. It's our mission to get to the heart of these conspiracy theories and figure out the why, the how, and especially the if. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, and welcome back to the Carol Markowitz Show on iHeartRadio. My guest today is Josh Hammer. Josh is senior editor-at-large at Newsweek, a syndicated columnist through creators, and the host of The Josh Hammer Show, a Newsweek podcast and syndicated radio show. He's also, like me, a fairly new Floridian. Josh is also a newlywed. It's actually a month ago today, Mazel Tov, that he and his bride had a beautiful, warm, just amazing, gorgeous wedding. Thank you so much for coming on, Josh. Carol, you're a dear friend and fellow Floridian transplants. I wouldn't miss it for the world. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so tell us about married life. 
well, it's a heck of a lot better than engaged life. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you know, God willing, should it, should it only be this peaceful and blissful? Look, Carol, it's been, it's been amazing, right? I mean, one thing that we did that I think that I would not recommend to newly engaged, newly betrothed, I guess you would say couples, mm-hmm. we, we waited essentially almost a year to the day from, from engagement to marriage. And we had our reasons. My my wife, who you know, you know, she was in grad school. She couldn't mm-hmm. focus on wedding planning, and then it was the summer. And no one wants to do a wedding in the summer in Florida. So, you know, right. we had all we had we had all our reasons, right? Um, but uh, the downside of that is that just all the talk and and the nits and the this and the that yes. of wedding planning, and you know, as you, you were there, we had multiple events for the wedding. So, you know, it kind of all just ended up being a lot. And you know, I think if we had kind of just done like three to six months instead of the full year, that's kind of the one thing that I probably would have done differently in retrospect. But look, I mean, not having to think about wedding planning, yeah. I mean, I, the wedding, which we, you know, it was, it was the best night of our lives. We were thrilled to have you and Shai there as, as a part of our simcha, of, of our happiness, our celebration. It was re- really beautiful. You know, uh, it, it's really amazing right now. We're going on a, uh, a mini moon, I think the kids call it these days. We're going on a mini, <laughs> a mini moon uh, in February. Our birthdays are actually mm-hmm. one week apart in February. So we're excited to go on that. We're trying to figure out what to do for our real honeymoon we had mm-hmm. in mind going to south africa but now south africa as you know is tied up with this big maybe not field. yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> probably, not, probably, probably not the best move for two zionist right. jews to go to south africa right now but anyway i'm, I'm a little i'm off course already um married no life. no there is no <laughs> course here this is a this is a free-flowing kind of place <laughs> yeah well it's really it's, it's really been fantastic and um you know i i only hope that all my Friends and family members and, and loved ones who are still trying to find their their Bashir, still trying to find their soulmate. I, you know, God willing, should they only be so lucky as I've been. I love that. Any surprises? Any any married life surprises? Um, uh, nothing comes immediately to mind. I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, I, I know my in-laws very well. I mean, like right. they also live right here in Florida. I'm very close with them. I, I, honestly, you know, my, 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 my father-in-law said it best. So we actually, the day after the wedding, Carol, we went to my, my in-law's house for a barbecue. It's, it's, it's so funny. I'm really married to the absolute best family. I mean, I mean these people. They seem like, really great. Uh, I mean, and not just because the food was like insane at the Moroccan event that you guys did. <laughs> yeah, no, they're, they're just the warmest, sweetest people. And, uh, you know, Sheer and I, um, that's my wife, we like to joke that the very first time I went over to her, her parents' house to meet the parents, this was back in March 2022, um, so my now mother-in-law at the time was just my girlfriend's mother. This, this is my literal first time meeting her. And they did this whole massive, gorgeous barbecue. I was literally there eating for like four hours. And yeah. at the time, when it starts, she raised her glass and she goes, Josh, welcome to the family. <laughs> this is the That's first time meeting the awesome. parents. And like, mm-hmm. you know, like, like, uh, they just I, knew yeah, you were, but, you were but, in, but uh, maybe, but like, they're just like really warm people. Right. Um, and I, I say all that as kind of a preface to say that like the, the, the night after the wedding, when we went back to their house for another barbecue, you know, the, the very Israeli family, they had a lot of relatives still in from Israel. So they wanted to keep on hosting and entertaining until they flew back the Wednesday after the wedding. This is the Monday night right after. And my father-in-law said it best. He was like, you know, Josh, like you're obviously a part of the family. This, this whole week has just been, you know, but a, but a formality, you know, but a cherry on top. You mm. got to get, you got to get the ketubah. You got to smash the glass. You got to do all the things that our people right. do and get the rabbinical seal of approval. But it was really somewhat of a formality. Yeah. I mean, the traditions are important, but yeah, what you guys had even before you were married, I think is, is beautiful. And, you know, you're just one of my favorite couples. I love it. Um, so I mentioned you moved to Florida shortly before me, a few months before me, I think. Um, I'm, on, I'm at two years right now. Where, where are you? 
my Florida move date, I remember it exactly, was August 25th, 2021. So I think- okay. You were no, like six months. The same time. Yeah, yeah exactly. five months before me. Yeah. So a lot of people obviously have moved from place to place in the great migration the last four years. And something we talk a lot about on this show is making new friends in adulthood. And I know you have a friend or two, maybe, right? <laughs> Josh and I hang out a lot. That's why that's <laughs> funny. And we have a group of friends here. Uh, but have you made like situational friends, not from the internet? Like, I know our friend Dave Rubin hangs out with the Moyle who did his son's wrists. So, like, nope, nope. anything like that? <laughs> <laughs> um, that would be a hard one to to top. Um, I, I, I'm, not sure I, I'm not sure that I can top befriending yeah. the Moyle. Um, look, I mean, uh, you know, Carol, when I moved to Florida, it was in the, in the middle of COVID, like many others there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't think I realized how many people I knew in Florida when I decided to pull the trigger. I knew that I had some friends there, some of our mutual friends and and, and, so, and so forth there. But... I honestly don't think, and then I got here and I started realizing, oh my God, like, wait, this person yeah. actually lives here. And then like, oh, like your friends are this right. person. And like the social circle just like expands dramatically. And I remember that mm-hmm. first month and a half, two months after I moved here in the, in, in the summer to fall of 2021, you know, my social calendar was just, was just insane. I mean, so I, I, great, I, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I essentially barely had any free nights, if, if any, to myself, mm-hmm. which gets a little tiring, to be sure. And, you know, now sure. that I'm like an old married man, I guess I'm used to kind of my the nights in with my beautiful <laughs> wife, which, to be clear, I'm, I'm very happy about that arrangement. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, yeah, I mean, look, like, you, you definitely meet friends that you didn't know. I mean, I, I, I so I first moved to, to Brickell, which is essentially downtown Miami. I was very active in, in, in the local Chabad there, the shul there was like a five minute walk from where I was living. So I made a lot of new friends through that. I've made more friends through the local, much smaller Chabad, which is closer to where I live now. So, you know, Jewish life definitely had its benefits as far as yeah. kind of meet, meeting more people, things like that. Um, I, I've done some, I, I was in some WhatsApp group about like pickleball. I, I, I love tennis and pickleball. <laughs> I love like paddle racket sports uh-huh. in, in general. Um, so I've met some more friends through kind of, you know, like one-off sports activities, things like that. You know, you know, you mentioned Dave Rubin, Dave's Dave's been talking about getting this weekly basketball game. I, I, yeah. I, guess, I guess at his house for a while now. I'm kind of waiting for him to kind of come to the table and make that happen because I definitely look forward to hopefully meeting some of Dave's basketball friends as well. <laughs> yeah, well, the Moyle plays in the basketball league, so <laughs> I'm not kidding, seriously. <laughs> wow. uh, but yeah, I've actually mentioned to my husband, I'm like, oh, Dave Rubin's trying to put together a basketball league, you know, and you know, yeah, you should go play. Um, so I hope you guys do it because that sounds like you know that's a good way to like not just be on the internet and not like, oh, yeah. you know, take it off, take it offline, which I'm really into. So you went to law school, like a top law school, actually, you know, just saying, and then you had a prestigious clerkship and you had various fellowships. What made you go into media? Why would you do this to your Jewish parents? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. So I, I, I grew up with parents who, it's not just their politics necessarily, although they are probably Clinton Democrats, but kind of their, their general worldview is, is somewhat liberal. And let me define that in the appropriate terms. What I mean by that is I, I didn't grow up in a home that was particularly strict and, and, and bound by strictures. My grandfather, when he was growing up in, in New York City, and this would be back in the 19, I guess, early 1940s, around the time of World War II, his name's David Hurwitz. His parents actually put a plaque on his desk when he was eight or nine years old that said David J. Hurwitz, attorney at law. So <laughs> you got the idea. I mean, this is kind of the whole right. stereotype that if you're a, you know, yeah. a, a, Jew, a, no. Jew, a Jew of a certain vintage, you're a doctor, a lawyer, maybe right. an accountant. I mean, there's yes. not a whole lot. 
My parents mm-hmm. were actually never like that at all. Um, I, that's kind of the point I'm trying to make. They were they were quote unquote liberal insofar as they really just wanted me to be happy and, and fulfill my potential in whichever way mm-hmm. I, I I did that. So uh, look, I mean, I, I always have had a deep admiration for the law. I mean, you know, I, I'm sitting here with my little like pocket constitution right here. I mean, I I, I love it. And you're the official lawyer of our group chat, which I mean <laughs> is very prestigious in and of itself. Yes, right, exactly. <laughs> so I'm still getting some bang for my buck from that Chicago right. education, right? <laughs> um, look, I I still actually put the law degree to use in certain ways, right? So I mean, I, I do a lot of legal talks through the Federal mm-hmm. Society. I speak on a lot of law school campuses. Um, you know, we're recording this on January 17th. It's actually only two days ago on January 15th. I had a, a very long overdue essay come out in the Harvard Journal of Law and Public mm-hmm. Policy as part of a very nerdy jurisprudential symposium. So I, I still kind of get some play out of that. And more generally speaking, when I'm writing and talking, doing my day to day commentary, it definitely imbues the way I think. And I, I would like to think it helps me evaluate certain situations and certain problems, perhaps a little bit better than some others might be. I think at least that's what I tell myself when I go to sleep mm-hmm. at night, right? Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, Carol, at the end of the day, you know, like you, like some of the friends that we've already name dropped here, I mean, I, I care about the issues. I really genuinely, from the bottom right. of my heart, love this country. I mm-hmm. love the idea of Western civilization, which is a, which is a concept that, we, that you and I have discussed offline that I think a lot of youngsters in, increasingly are not properly understanding. Right. And I, I just care about the issues more generally. And, you know, there are some lawyers who are blessed with certain jobs where they can do that in day-to-day practice. A lot of them work in the public sector, whether they're in a state attorney general's office, state mm-hmm. solicitor general's office. You know, some of them might work um, in very specialized, highly elite boutique constitutional law shops in certain law firms. But a a lot of lawyers, including what I was doing in private practice, just aren't filling that itch. They're they're, they're just not. So I took a leap of faith. I mean, initially, when I kind of made the leap, I I was kind of doing the media full time job while staying of counsel at a a small not for profit law firm thing. Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of was doing half half for a time period there. And then when I saw that the media route you know, hopefully had some legs to it. I kind of just stuck with it. I mean, again, I still use the law degree to a little bit there, but you know, at the the end of the day, I I also know I'm still barred. I'm still barred in Texas, um, which is where I used to live for four years. So I still know that, you know, if I'm not sure, I'm not sure if we can curse here, but if you know what, okay. So if shit (laughs) hits the fan, I mean, like I, 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 I know that I have a law degree to fall back upon as well. Got it. And you'd be my first phone call. So, you know, if shit hits the fan. (laughs) So what kind of parent do you think you're going to be the kind that's like, I just want you to be happy or like the, you know, attorney at law plaque on the desk? Because I I am the attorney at law plaque on the desk kind of parent. Like, yeah, be happy. Sure. You know, happy, whatever. But, you know, uh, I'm not paying for like a basket weaving degree at the college, you know, so make some good decisions. Right. I mean, I think you probably know enough about me to know that I'm definitely not going to be the kind of like live and let live. Here, <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, I believe in order. I believe mm-hmm. kind of in rules. I, be- I believe in guidance. I mean, I, you know, I, I believe in strictures and, you know, it, it's kind of like our, you know, our, our, our friend Sorbamari a few years ago, as, as this whole kind of post-liberal thing was starting to develop, I think said it quite eloquently and I'm paraphrasing here, but you know, there's a certain level of, of freedom that can actually paradoxically only be achieved through strictures. 
um, yes. through, through following a certain way of life. And, and then, by the way, that's not just kind of a Sorab Catholic idea. That's also a very rich thought in, 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 in our Jewish tradition as well. There's a great rabbi called Rabbi Ari Lamb who's written a lot about this mm-hmm. very idea as well. So anyway, all that to say that as parents, I, I would hope to try to do that. Um, obviously, you have to lead by, by, by example to an extent there. And, you know, look, I'm not going to be like an authoritarian fascist parent or anything. I mean, right? we'll see, right? Yeah, I, I guess we'll see. <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I mean, God willing, you know, um, you know, you know we'll, right. we'll, God willing, we'll be, we'll be parents. We'll have numerous plentiful, bountiful children sooner rather yes, than later. God willing. And, you know, look, I, I am I terrified at the idea of having to, you know, you, you know, like be very strict or yell or to mm-hmm. say you have a timeout in your bedroom? Yeah, I mean, like, honestly, that, that kind of does terrify me, to be honest. It gets easier, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope so, because it, it, it genuinely does sound daunting, partially because, you know, as I alluded to, I, I really just did not have that kind of upbringing, yeah. honestly. Um but I think because I was raised in a certain way, and I, and I, I, lo- I love my parents, obviously. Um, you, know, you know, my mom is my hero. You know, Ab- I, I'm born on Lincoln's birthday, and Lincoln's really my, my, my favorite hero in American mm-hmm. history. And, you know, Abraham Lincoln once said, um, again, I'm paraphrasing here, but he said, you know, all that I am or that I may be, I owe to my angel mother. And, you know, in many ways, I really do feel that way. Our kind of differences in kind of life and raising children, all that yeah. aside there. Um, but because I, you know, you know, I'm a byproduct of, of a certain way of upbringing and, and I, and I see some others here, especially in the South Florida Jewish community doing a little, a little different. I, 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 I really am attracted to kind of that more kind of rigid kind of strict order, order rules. But, you know, uh, to get back to your specific question, Carol, I have no intention of placing like an attorney at law flat, um, at, at age eight. But maybe, I don't know. I, yeah. I, would, I, would be quite, I would be quite a hypocrite if I did that, given kind of how I've somewhat neglected the law, right? Yeah, I understand that. Um, so it's funny, my middle son, my history loving middle son is also born on Abraham Lincoln's birthday. So and I, I see some Josh Hammer similarities here. I, I really do. <laughs> uh, so part of being in media is, you know, having your face out there. Do you get recognized a lot? Like, what's it like living a fairly public life? Uh, probably not as often as you do, my famous friend. But uh, I did, <laughs> I, but, but I did have a funny incident at Shul actually a few weeks ago. So, you know, um, where we live in, in South Florida, I'm sure where you live too, the, this time of the year is just like ridiculously busy, right? I mean, there's mm-hmm. so many people yeah, coming season. down. From, yeah, it's yeah. a season. It's a season, mm-hmm. right? So the, the, uh, specifically where we are is just totally flooded with Canadians. I'm, I'm not sure oh, why. But, but, yeah, uh-huh. Exactly. Um, you know, our, our, yeah, our friend Delia Shapiro might be happy, but like our, our, our people are just flooding in here from Toronto, Montreal, places like that. So the specific Chabad, the shul that I go to, which is uh, a fairly short walk from where, from where I live, it is just packed to the brim with Canadians this time of the year, December, January, probably February as well, but really December, January. Anyway, a few mm-hmm. weeks ago, I, I was there and I and, and I was davening on Shabbat and this guy comes up to me, probably, I don't know, maybe like around 40 years old, early 40s maybe. And, and he's, he's like, are you Josh Hammer? I'm like, uh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and he's like, you know, like I'm, I'm a huge fan. So like, yeah, look, I mean, some of that stuff happens. I, I'm not gonna mm-hmm. pretend like it happens every day. It definitely doesn't. I'm, I'm I'm pretty happy about that, to be honest with you. I, yeah. I, I don't necessarily want to be the kind of person that has to like always look over my shoulder for people kind of recognizing me. I have, right. no, as- I have no aspirations. to Fully agree. Me. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a good thing, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, every so often that does happen. And, you know, uh, w- when I speak at conferences too, it obviously happens a lot more often. Right. So I just got back from, from Israel at this point, less than a week ago, I spoke at a conference last Thursday night, kind of a right-wing conference there in Jerusalem. Uh, it's not worth getting into the specific details. Mm-hmm. But after the conference was over, this one younger guy came up to me and was just like, you know, Josh, been a huge fan of yours since you, since you started writing for the Daily Wire. And, you know, that was like, what, wow. six, six, seven years ago now. So, mm-hmm. uh, like, that's kind of cool when that happens for sure as well. 
We're going to take a quick break and be right back on The Carol Markowitz Show. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. How could the most powerful man in media just vanish from public life? My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'm a reporter who's covered politics for years, and in this podcast, I'm going to travel far and wide searching for the reclusive Matt Drudge, the founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who've worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. I'll also be chasing down tips from you, the listener, through a special hotline. So if you know where Drudge is right now or have a great Drudge story that might help us better understand the mysterious media mogul, please give us a call at 301-200-2414. Hopefully by the time this show ends, the man who knows Drudge best, Matt Drudge himself, will break his silence and sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. We break open modern-day conspiracies and tell you which elements may be the real deal. Like, did Bill Gates use COVID vaccines to microchip us all? We all do have tracking devices. Mm -hmm. We carry them around. We spend a lot of money on them. And what's actually on Hunter Biden's laptop? You are talking to the guy that has three of Hunter Biden's laptops and cell phone. And what did the deep state build under Denver airport? Do you think there are secret bunkers? That's just on my list of questions I have about Jesse Ventura. It's our mission to get to the heart of these conspiracy theories and figure out the why, the how, and especially the if. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So you got into media because you care about the issues and you you know want to make differences. So what would you say is our largest like societal or cultural problem and is it solvable? Well, I mean, not to sound like a theologian, Carol, but I, I, I genuinely, the one thing that I, that I've come back to time and time again for a very long time now, I, I, I think America genuinely needs like a spiritual reckoning, like a great awakening here, and that's somewhat of a, that, that's admittedly somewhat, of, perhaps somewhat of an odd thing to say, you know, from one Jew to another there, but <laughs> I, 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 I really genuinely want our our Christian brethren to go to church more. I, I really, hmm. really do worry that the future of this country is going to end up being between kind of like two secular or secular adjacent bashing tribes. And that, that's just not going to end well. I mean, you, you know, we, you and I both know all the famous quotes. John Adams famously said that, you know, that the U S constitution was only made for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate mm. for any other. They, they, they assumed all of this. They literally assumed that there would be an, an overriding sense of Judeo Christian morality that imbues the body politic that imbues our, 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 our civic engagement that imbues our, our, our policy making and our law and our and our judicial opinions and, and all of the above there. And I really, really do 
worry. And, you know, frankly, Carol, especially for, for the Jews, speaking of the future of the Jews in America, I, I want a more Christian America, actually. Right. I, I, American Christianity outside of the land of Israel, as far as the, as far as the, so if, if the second temple was destroyed by the Romans in the year 70, go fast forward from the year 70 until let's call it 1948 when the state of Israel was established. In that almost 2000 year period, there was no better place ever than the United States of America for the Jews. And I would say, honestly, above yeah. all, that is because not just of a, not just because the U.S. Constitution, that's part of it, but because of the distinctly philo-Semitic brand of American Christianity and American Protestantism in particular, people like John Adams. Totally agree. So yeah. I, I, I really, 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 really pray that that comes back. Unfortunately, I'm somewhat blackpilled as to the possibility of that happening. But I guess I'm trying to do the best I can to, you know, try to kind of uh, not imitate the eschaton. That would be painting it a little too bleakly, but just just mm -hmm. doing what I can to try to encourage um, our, our, our Christian American friends just be more Christian, frankly. I, I I think that, you know, the pendulum swings and I could see, you know, thinking back to like the 90s, like I think evangelicalism, evangelism, sorry, um, was, you know, fairly prominent. And I think things were um, like people were going to church more often and and, and it was sort of an, at an uptick. Uh, so I, I could see it coming back and people, especially when I think they the culture coarsens and they need to come back to something that makes sense. Um, I, I do think people return to church and, and Christians become more Christian, but I fully agree with you. Um, I've always called American Jews, the luckiest Jews in history. Yep. Very few times that we've lived as openly and as safely as we have here. Obviously the last couple of months have been, you know, trying. Um, but in general, I think even still, you know, you and I did a, a conference that we did a panel in DC recently for Heritage Foundation about Jews owning guns. That's something that, you know, we can basically only do in America. Uh, even in Israel, it's kind of tough even now. Um, so we have some real benefits to living here. And so I, I could see the return to church. I had a friend a lefty friend say to me something like after October 7th, like imagine being in Alabama right now. I'm like, you have no idea what you're talking about being in Alabama right now. One of the safest place Jews can be <laughs> like, it's the, the crazy idea that, you know, Christians don't like Jews or don't want Jews around is, is just nonsense in general, I think. Uh, it's it, it's total and complete nonsense. I I mean, look at the places on campus right now where all of yeah. the bad stuff is happening. It's mm -hmm. happening in New York City. It's happening in Los Angeles. I mean, you know, it's happening in these mega blue urban centers. Yep. I mean, when is the last time that an SEC school like Alabama, LSU, mm -hmm. Georgia, Tennessee? I mean, have they been having any problems with the Jews no. there? I mean, I've I, seen I, memes that were like the party schools were right. <laughs> like, right. No. I, I, I mean, honestly, like I, I, I'm not sure that I can think of a single headline that I've seen from any of these universities. I, I, I'm yeah. sure I'm painting with an overly broad brush here. No, I don't. I think I think it's probably right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so there's something to be said for that, right? I mean, look, Carol, I, I, I think back to the 2016 presidential primary. I, so it was actually, I was a third year law student at Chicago at the time, but I campaigned for Ted Cruz across a handful of states, Illinois, he, He's Iowa, been a guest on Indiana. this show. There you go. Mm -hmm. And I remember um, before he made his final stand in Indiana, I was, I was there with my law school buddy. We were at that point door knocking and phone banking for Cruz um, in South Bend, Indiana, like the day before the primary or something like that. And the number of questions that I got from from Christians asking me, you know, where does Ted Cruz stand on Israel? I, I mm -hmm. it was a lot. I mean, maybe like after like abortion, yeah. it might have been like the most frequently asked question. So um, th this idea that 
that, that American Christians, broadly speaking, are, are anti-Semitic or anti-Israel. Crazy. It, it's a vestige of this bizarre mentality from the 1950s where some people didn't get into certain law firms or banks mm-hmm. or country clubs that they cared about. It is so past time, I think, to throw this mentality into the ash of history. You know, as Ron Dermer said, Oh, maybe two years ago or so, he had, he had a controversial quote that I think was nonetheless correct. It, it's, it rubbed a lot of Jews the wrong way, but he said that the future of American support for, for Israel obviously depends on the Christians. And again, right. a, lo- a lot of big Jewish mockers, big Jewish donors were kind of offended by that. Tell me how he's wrong. He's right. I mean, I, how is he not wrong? Of course he's right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So like we talked about, you're really accomplished and you're recently married, now that you kind of have the whole package, do you feel like you've made it? <laughs> um, ask me after we, God willing, have our first child or two, right? Um, do, 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 do. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> uh, look, uh, I'm not trying to kind of rush things or anything like that. We, we've been married, as you mentioned at, at, earlier in the show, for precisely mm-hmm. one month at the time of this recording. But I, I mean, to me, I can't, I can't say I've made it or I can't necessarily say that I've led a truly fulfilling and meaningful life until I have children, right? I mean, um, you know, be fruitful, multiply is one of mm-hmm. the very first commandments in the entire Bible. In many ways, I think it is kind of the, really the purpose of living, right, is to kind of give your children better than what you inherited, to give them more meaning and value and potential, uh, material wealth, obviously being a part of that, not all of it, but mm-hmm. at least a part of it, um, you know, things like that and, and, and all that. But Look, I, I, I am I, I'm obviously blessed. Um, I, I, I am just truly, truly happy. Um, you, you know, God is good. I, I, I love, love, love living in Florida. Um, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 tease, I, I tease you, Carol, because I think that you're a slightly bit more of a Florida evangelist than I am, but only on the margins, only on the margins. I, I genuinely right. love We've got a here. good thing going. I mean, it, it's hard to, like, not be happy all the time here. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like... I, I, you and I both lived in cold weather locations. I've done mm-hmm. New York, Chicago, Colorado. I did one year there. I, I'm done with it. I am so done yeah. with the cold weather. I mean, literally, I, I turn around like right now and look out my window. Okay, it's a little cloudy. Not not the best yeah. example. Um, I, been- I mean, where do we write the letter of complaint that <laughs> yeah, the last right. like month has been chilly and rainy? It's not supposed to be rainy season. And you know, a lot of people are like, oh, look at Iowa. Look, they have like the snowstorm. They signed up to live in Iowa. I signed up to live in Florida. I shouldn't have to have 50 degrees and rainy in January. That's just not acceptable to me. Yeah, it's funny. Sheer and I were talking about how bad we feel for all these Canadians who have come down here and like and like this is the weather they've got. It, it really has been oddly rainy here. I mean, you know, there was this one, I, I saw this one thing on the street maybe a month ago or so, probably probably around the time of the wedding, where I saw this it, this kid must have been, I don't know, a boy, eight, nine, ten years old, something like that, was like holding like his like boogie board and like he looked so mm-hmm. upset that he couldn't go to the beach and like Yeah. It, my heart kind of That's breaks, me. honestly. It, like it's it, 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 like it, very very sad, but in, in, in any event, Florida is obviously great. Um, you know, I've I, I've found my Bashert, I've, I've found my soulmate. Um, you know, I'm very happy with where my career is. You know, God willing, it will it will continue to expand there. I, I love what I'm doing now. I, I don't I don't particularly feel being canceled and having to, having to go back to law at this point. You know, there was a, mm-hmm. but you know, vi- maybe right. <laughs> you never know. I mean, there there was a massive hit piece. You might you might recall by the mm-hmm. by the SPLC Southern Poverty Law Center written about me a little over a year They're ago. They're a scam and, organization. I feel like we have to note that every time they come up. Right, right for sure. Um, but you know, I survived that relatively unscathed. So I feel like I'm 
I'm maybe arguably uncancelable, which is a somewhat mm-hmm. reassuring thing, and hopefully reassure my parents that the all the law school tuition money was not totally wasted, right? Right. Um, <laughs> but uh, life life is really good. I mean, I, I have I have very few complaints. Uh, you know, children sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. But uh, as of now, uh, with that caveat aside, I, I feel quite fulfilled in life. I mean, I'm not going to be bitter that you mentioned the weather and finding sheer and, you know, all this other stuff, but not your amazing group of friends in Florida, like whatever, you know, <laughs> <laughs> no, you guys are always amazing. We, we have quite a, quite a little cabal here. Um, and I'm yeah. very, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very, very lucky to have people like you and Dave Rubin, we mentioned, you know, Buck Sexton moved here, what, like a, a year ago or so. Too many others that I, I you know, I don't want to take up the rest of the show naming names or whatever, but you know, we have- <laughs> They're we, good. Yeah. They're good people. We have a great thing going for us here. Um, you know, we obviously have an amazing governor and Governor DeSantis. Politically, mm-hmm. Florida it feels like a very, very safe place for folks like us. By the way, it also feels safer from a Jewish perspective. Oh, um, yeah, for uh, sure. Like, like considerably, mm-hmm. substantially better and safer than it would feel for Jews in New York or, or L.A. or LA or anything like that. So I'm very, very grateful for that as well. So I love talking to you and here with your best tip for my listeners on how they can improve their lives. Well, I, you know, I guess this is kind of going back to this, this theme that I didn't necessarily plan, but it's been somewhat of a late motif of the show, which is talking about kind of like rules and stricture and, and, and religion, whatever, you know, I, I look, I, I, I'm not a Christian. I don't really know um, what a day-to-day Christian's kind of prayer routine entails. You know, I saw Tucker Carlson speak at the Heritage Foundation. It was was like his last talk before Fox fired him last last April. And one of the things that he said to Kevin Roberts, the president of Heritage Foundation, was, you know, just take 10 minutes a day to pray every single day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, something that I've been doing for... I don't know, uh, five, six years, something like that is I, I, I've been praying every morning, you know, I, I, I wrap to fill and I kind of do that every morning and I've gotten more mm-hmm. serious with it. I spend more time with it now. I, I, I'm more earnest. I try to really kind of focus on it. The Hebrew word would be Kavana. You have to have intense to actually talk to right. Hashem. And anyway, it, it doesn't matter whether you're a Jew or a Christian. I, I, I really do think that Tucker's message there, and it's somewhat ironic that I'm quoting Tucker because I've actually been critical of him times recently, but that's neither here nor there. But <laughs> I, I, I think that it's really important for everyone to kind of focus not so much um, uh, at every single minute on the here and now and every single minute on what's happening on Twitter or cable mm-hmm. news, things like that, you know, focus on really on, on what is most important. And especially in the morning, especially when you're first waking up, when you get that first cup of coffee, focus, yeah. just, just dedicate 10, 15 minutes minimum to, to God, to, to, to praying, to talking about and thinking about what is most important. I think that that can really kind of anchor you throughout the course of the workday, especially for folks like you and me who work in this crazy media landscape yeah. there. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I just find that since I've, since I've done that, it really does kind of help just kind of ground me for the day that is to come. I love that. Thank you so much for coming on, Josh. He is Josh Hammer. Catch him on The Josh Hammer Show and read him in Newsweek. Thanks again. Always a pleasure, Carol. Thanks so much for joining us on The Carol Markowitz Show. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. 
I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. Anyone can just start screaming about microchips and Jewish space lasers, but it's our mission to remove the bull and get down to what's real. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.